Dearest Lord, we thank you for a new day and opportunity to worship you amongst friends as one body. As we gather here today and hear your word, may our hearts be stirred by your spirit. Your word is never made null and void, but transforms the hearts of the listener. May we be thus transformed and encouraged and leave this place overflowing with your unfathomable love to be poured out upon others. All loving creator, we bless your name and in your name we pray, amen. Today's reading is from the book of Psalms, chapter eight. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Here ends the reading. Grace and peace to you from God who loves you. Amen. As university organist, I have an interesting vantage point in our university chapel services. And I don't mean the little throne that I sit on over there by the organ. I mean the vantage point of someone who has listened to all but one homily given this year, my last year at CLU, examining different aspects of the chapel theme, room at the table. While doing so, my mind has returned repeatedly to two thoughts. The first thought is personal. I come from a rather large family. My grandmother was one of 13 almost all of whom still live in the small southeast Kansas town of Eureka. Some of my favorite childhood memories involve numerous family members piling into various cars and driving less than a mile over to a little restaurant on Highway 54. I don't know what the rightful name of that restaurant was. Everybody just called it the truck stop. It had a, a big, muddy parking lot where, yes, truckers would, would park their trucks and walk in and, and have a meal, but mostly the customers were farmers and ranchers whose boots smelled of money. When you make a living in livestock, that's what we mean. The first thing we would do when we walked through the door, my family, was start pulling up tables together making one big table so that the whole family could sit together. I always loved that. My grandparents on both sides of the family, even after my parents' divorce, a couple of sets of great aunts and uncles and even a few close family members all sitting around the same 
table. That's one thought. The other thought is a bit more timely. All this year we've heard the recurring refrain of inviting other people to sit at our tables. That's actually a subject the whole church is thinking about right now. We read reports showing declining memberships in our mainline denominations. We hear about the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, a broad category of people that includes atheists and agnostics and those who are religious but identify their religion as nothing in particular. There's been a lot of hand-wringing in the church about this. Why are we losing members? We've been working faithfully to address the legitimate concerns of disaffected people. We've been ordaining women for 50 years now. Our synod staff has a staff member dedicated to African descent ministries and another one dedicated to Latino ministries. For heaven's sakes, we even ordain gay people now. Why aren't people coming back to our tables in droves? And I want to scream back such arrogance, such pride. You want to know why disaffected people aren't returning to our churches in droves? It's because they felt so unwelcome at our table for so many years, they finally said, to hell with you. If we're not welcome at your table, we will by God build our own. These tables take many forms. There's Capital Savings Bank, opened in 1888 in Washington, D.C., owned and operated by African Americans to provide operating capital to black businesses the white-owned banks were unwilling to work with. Or there's the woman who retired from her job after she was passed over for a promotion in favor of a man she had trained. She then wrote a, a book about women in business that led her to start her own company. The woman was Mary Kay Ash. The company was Mary Kay Cosmetics. Sometimes this takes the form of actual tables. Mike Burns is the owner of Missy B's. Missy B is a gay bar in Kansas City with great drag shows, by the way. It's opened every Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Day, and Easter. When it would be easier just to take those holidays off, Missy B serves free meals to anyone who wants to come and eat. Because as general manager Chad Seaton said, Quote, many gay people are lonely on holidays because their families have disowned them. Missy B's, Mike Burns, provides them with a loving table. Inviting disaffected people to come back to our tables is, in my opinion, a self-centered approach. Well, all right, Kyle. How do you suggest we connect with disaffected people? I have some thoughts. Step one, 
know your own table. Know your own table. I know that many of you here today have lived in Thousand Oaks a long time. Some of you grew up here or raised your families here and probably feel generally positive about this town, this community. Well, I know I don't look it, but I used to be a runner. <laughs> I even ran the Chicago Half Marathon. I ran for several years along Chicago's Lakefront Trail and never once felt unsafe or had a problem of any kind. It took moving to Thousand Oaks and running down the sidewalk of a residential neighborhood not two miles from this campus to have the F word yelled at me from someone's front porch. And I don't mean the four-letter F word, I mean the six-letter F word reserved for gay people like me. That happened twice. Not exactly a warm welcome at the table of Thousand Oaks. Sometimes it takes an outsider to help us understand what our own tables are really like. Know your table. Step two, leave your table. Don't ask others to come to yours. Go to theirs. Ask them permission to sit with them at their table. They may say no. They may say yes. That is not for us to decide. If they say yes, sit with them. Learn about them. Learn from them. Ask them if they would be willing to tell you their stories about why they had to build their own tables in the first place. Step one, know your own table. Step two, leave your table and go to theirs. Step three, ask them if it's okay if you pull your table up next to theirs, creating one large table where everyone can sit together as one family, just as my family used to do so many years ago at a little truck stop in Eureka, Kansas. Oh, but Kyle, this sounds like a lot of work. So much effort, so much time. Can't we just write a check? No. No. Go. Do it. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of effort and time. But the people you're reaching out to are worth it. They're worth it. I know this to be a fact. And how do I know this? Because the psalmist tells me that they were created little lower than God, crowned with glory and honor. And you can do this. We can do this. You can do this, <clears throat> this work to which you are being called at this moment. I know you can. Why do I know you can? Because you, too, every one of you, everyone in this room, were created little lower than God crowned with glory and honor. God loves them. And God loves you too. And I love you. And I will miss you.
Amen. Let us pray to the Lord of peace. Holy God, you are the source of all good things. You call us to build bridges where once stood walls. Grant that we may be hands in healing in a broken world. Lord, in your great goodness, holy and mighty one, strengthen your people who are gathered here today to be advocates of justice and peace in our communities near and far. Lord, in your great goodness, holy immortal one, sustain us as we return to the tasks that you have set before us. May our works find favor in your sight. Lord, in your great goodness, we pray for this community, for students, faculty, staff, and administrators. We pray for our nation and our elected leaders. We pray for all clergy and all people in positions of authority. We pray for peace and for unity. Friends, for what else shall we pray? Lord, in your great goodness, all these things we ask in your holy name, amen. Lord, guide us when we lose our way. Give comfort to us when we are in pain. And bring peace to us when we forget that you, Lord, walk silently beside us and that we are not forsaken. May the thought of your presence bring us comfort. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.